name is Tim Blow, and I am the director of middle school ministries here at BlackRock. Uh, I've been here at BlackRock for, for five years. Uh, I've been in youth ministry for ten. Uh, I'm a little slower, uh, a little more tired, way less cool, way less cool. But I love middle school students. I love uh, the fact that they are how, they're squirrely, how squirrely they are. I love their energy. I love uh, how they have the amazing ability to surprise you. And I love that I get a chance to see God change a bunch of punks <laughs> into young men and women who love Jesus. And for that reason, I love my job. I love my calling. And I would say every adult who... Uh, who shares this heart of mine, who gets to work with these students, would say that this is truly a privilege to us to get to serve middle school students. Now, it's been two years since I've been up on the stage, and I don't know if I need to read into that um, or, uh, or just trust that maybe once every two years is all that this congregation can take. Um, but this morning, I want to talk to you about something that is very near to my heart and something that has been a part of my life. Um, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever flown, and when you flew, you checked some bags? You checked your luggage? Okay. All right. Most of us. Okay. Well, I don't know about you, but every time I'm at the baggage claim, I get a funny feeling. Almost like a faint nervousness. You know, so you, you get to your, your gate. Okay? You, your plane gets in. You get to your gate. Then you follow all the signs towards the baggage claim, the up, the down, the left, the right. You do the somersault, and you're finally there at baggage claim. And then once you're there, you find the belt associated uh, with your flight, and you wait. And there's just this faint roar of conversation going on around you. All of a sudden, a red light starts flashing, and a buzzer starts going off. And all of a sudden, all the attention of everyone in the room is focused in on this belt that finally begins to move. Slowly, bags begin to come out, and that's where that faint nervousness comes in. Will my bag be there? Will it be in one piece? Will I have clean underwear for tomorrow? You know, it's just, you wonder. And finally, after what seems like forever, your bag, you see it. There it is. It's there. And so you're, you're excited, but you don't want to, it's just your bag, so you don't want to seem too eager, so you wait. But see, as it's coming then, all of a sudden, this man, thinking your bag might be his, he reaches down and grabs it, and, and you want to just yell, Hey, my bag, um, put it back. And, uh, of course, you don't do that because that would be strange, and you don't do that. So, uh, after a brief moment of terror, he puts your bag back on the, on the belt, and it slowly makes its way around. And with a sigh of relief, you pick up your baggage. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning it truly is my, my privilege to uh, address this body. And Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, these words would not be my own, but they would be yours. Lord, I've trusted you in this. Father, and I, I just pray, Father, that you would just help us um, know the truth. Lord, you tell us in your word in John eight thirty one and 32, Father, that... If we hold to your teachings, we truly are your disciples. Then we'll know the truth, and that truth will set us free. Lord, I pray that this morning, your truth would set 
people free. Father, I, I pray that weight that's being carried, Lord, I pray that uh, burdens that were there would be let go. Lord, there be true freedom here this morning. Lord, thank you for this time that we have. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, this morning I want to talk about baggage, not the airline kind, but the invisible kind. Uh, Baggage that so many people are carrying every day. Baggage that weighs them down. Baggage that affects everything that we do, every, every relationship that we have. Baggage that we may not even realize is there. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You've heard phrases like, oh, he's got baggage. Or, man, ever since high school, there's been something wrong. There must be some baggage there. You know, and there are things that happen in our lives. You know, words that were said or not said. Actions, uh, hurts, betrayals that cause real pain. But baggage is not often the painful vent in and of itself. It's actually instead the lie that comes out of that hurt. So our baggage that we might have, that we might be carrying, are the lies that we pick up. See, God's word tells us that there is truth. But so often, all of us at one point or another pick up lies that can lead to baggage. Baggage can be shame or guilt or false view of self. Maybe shame that something happened. Someone did something to you, and as a result, you have shame. You might not have had any control in the situation whatsoever, but you blame yourself. Or maybe guilt. Guilt over something that you've done. And uh, that could be uh, something that people found out about, or something that's still a secret, but yet you still have guilt. Or maybe guilt sometimes is not in something that you've done, but as a Christ follower, things you haven't done. Baggage also can be things like when you were younger, and it was that cool group of kids that just taunted you relentlessly. Or the stinging words of somebody that you loved. Or the comparison or your perceived failure, failure to compare with what magazines show as beauty. All those things can lead to a false view of self, which is baggage. When we become children of God, when we place our faith and trust in Christ, shame, guilt, false view of self, they're all lies. And they are baggage whether we realize it or not. Baggage affects every aspect of our lives, but especially our relationships. They affect our relationships at work. They affect how open we are to our friends. They affect how we relate to our family. And worst of all, It affects how close we allow ourselves to get to our Heavenly Father and how much we allow Him to use us for His kingdom. See, in Christ, we are never meant to carry this baggage, and nor should we ever want to, but yet so often we hold on. Sometimes we hold on because we don't recognize the fact that we're holding it. Sometimes we hold on because... For some strange reason, we think that this baggage, these feelings are from from God. Sometimes we hold on because we've been holding on for so long, we're almost afraid what life would be like if we truly let go. And sometimes we're, we're hoping that if we just hold on long enough, it'll just go away. 
But folks, we were never meant to carry this baggage. So this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look together. It's what God's word says as to why we were never meant to carry this baggage. Whether it might be for you or for someone else. Because you know what? A lot of our baggage is very different from each other. So how can we know that we were never meant to carry this baggage? Well, the first thing we have to realize is that in Christ, our sin is forgiven. Our sin is forgiven. This is a very uh, simple concept. Very simple. We find it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. It says, Christ sacrificed his life's blood to set us free. Which means that our sins are now forgiven. You might be thinking, well, Tim, I, I, I know I'm forgiven. But that doesn't change how I feel about what I did or what I am doing. But can I ask you, do you really know? Do you really believe? Do you trust that you are forgiven? Because, see, we can know, many times we can know things intellectually in our minds. But yet not trust in it enough that it changes us or changes the way that we view life. Pastor Mike shared a, uh, a verse last week out of the book of Hebrews. Chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. And God says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. See, we're forgiven. And this does not mean that the all-knowing God somehow forgets. Like it never happened. Like it just forgets it. And he's like, what? What was that? That's not what it means here. What this means is that our sins are so forgiven... They are so far removed from us that they will never come into play again between our relationship between us and God. They are completely forgiven in the purest sense. And they are as good as gone. Then the writer of Hebrews goes goes on and saying in verse 18, And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. You know, this means that we don't have to get it all together. You know, we don't have to do enough good in order not to feel guilty anymore. Verse 18 tells us that there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. There's nothing more that we need to do in order to be forgiven because we already are forgiven. You know, so any feeling of guilt over something that is forgiven is not of God. Guilt is not of God because God does not operate in the currency of guilt. I want to be clear about this. God does not operate in the currency of guilt. I mean, if anybody had the right to dispense guilt on people, it was, it's Jesus. Why? Because he's perfect and he knows our hearts. But this is very, very different from the Jesus that we see in Scripture. And I want to show you a little video, so bear with me. Well, all right. Now it's time for me to tell you all what you've done wrong since I last saw you. And don't try and hide because I'm Jesus. I will find you. Let's start with you, Peter. You lied to your mother the other day. Andrew, you said a naughty word when you hit your finger with the hammer. James, you laughed at him when he hit his finger. 
living right along. John, you drank too much wine the other night. Not way too much, just enough to make me angry. Matthew, we fell asleep in church, didn't we? Yes, we did. And Thomas, you were slow dancing a little too close with that girlfriend of yours. Let's see. And you, I forgot your name, so you're off the hook for now. Philip, <laughs> um, hmm. I saw you smoking a cigarette behind that big rock the other day. Thaddeus, I hate to say I saw you stick up your middle finger at someone who cut you off when you were riding your camel. Benjamin, you aren't wearing your WWJD bracelet. Jacob, I don't mind you saying my name, but not after you stub your toe. Frank, you know what you did. I just can't repeat it because I'm Jesus. All right, all you sinners, come with me. It's time to pay the piper. Yeah. So uh, now that video really shows us the exact opposite of the Jesus that we see in Scripture. It really does. That is definitely not the Jesus that we see in the Bible. And we, we know this because of verses like John 3:17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God, Jesus, is not the one that makes us feel guilty. But he came to save us through his love and grace. Andy Stanley, who's the pastor of North Point Community Church in Atlanta, says in one of his sermons that it's generally guilty people who operate in the currency of guilt. Because they themselves feel guilty, they are quick to point out the flaws in others. Because of, of this guilt, they often isolate themselves, they hurt the relationships that they have in order to try to dump their baggage onto someone else. They have this mentality of, hey, if I can't be happy with myself, there's no way I'm going to let you measure up to my standards. But this is not our God. In Romans 2, verse 4, we see that it's the the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the kindness of God. It's kindness that leads us to repentance, not guilt. See, it's not the knowledge that we are sinners that causes us to trust in Christ. Because you could ask the world around us if they think they are sinners, if they know and understand the term. And almost all of them would admit that they are a sinner. But that's not enough. It's not until we fully realize his great love for us. The Bible tells us that love is demonstrated by, by the fact that while we are still yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, guilt can come from others. It can come from within. It can come from the accuser, Satan. But guilt does not come from God. But this issue of guilt, it's a a hard one. Because sometimes our guilt is not in what we've done, but maybe what we've failed to do. You know, we, we sit here in this room and we hear these messages like Pastor Dan's a month ago. We talks about all the fact that sometimes we miss these opportunities that God gives us to love on people. Whether that's somebody broken down along the side of the road, or maybe someone getting a chance to pray with or encourage or help someone who's hurting. And so sometimes we hear messages like that and we're, we feel guilty. We're like, I'm not doing that and I need to. And so we decide that that day something's going to change. 
But here we are, a month later, nothing's changed. And so sometimes we feel guilty about that. And sometimes we're just like, what's, what's the use? Or even last week, Pastor Mike, as he spoke to us, talked about the, our pursuit of Jesus' presence in our lives. I mean, that's something we ultimately we all want. But for most, it's a real struggle to put into practice. And so, you know, thank you very much. Another helping of guilt. You know, it's, it's in this place, a place of guilt, that our enemy wants us to be in. See, guilt can motivate us for time, but honestly, in most instances, it fades. And then our guilt is just directed towards the fact that I, I'm a lousy Christian. I'm a lousy Christ follower. I'm failing. But these thoughts, and we need to just know this, these thoughts do not come from our loving Heavenly Father. They come from the father of lies, Satan. So our Heavenly Father does not want, to be, want us to be motivated to live for Him out of guilt. Or by us buying into some lie that we are not who we should be. The truth is that God has something far greater for us out there if we're just willing to take it. If we are willing to let go of so many lies that we have bought into... So that we could experience the life that he so wants to give us. Because who we are is not the sum of our past failures. Another reason why we are never meant to carry baggage is because our past does not determine our identity. Our past does not determine our identity. What we've done or what's been done to us does not dictate who we are. And the prime example of this, look at, look at the Apostle Paul and his life. We see in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 to 16, Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people. I mean, hello, Paul was doing everything he could to take out the followers of Christ. He was trying to stop them at all costs. Paul goes on to say, But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Jesus, Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. You know, Paul's identity was not determined by his sinful past or his current struggles. His identity was found in Christ. The fact that he was a son of God. He was created in Christ Jesus to do good works that were prepared in advance for him to do. That's who he was. And he, he, he marks this, his identity, in the beginning of every letter that he writes to the churches. With how he identifies himself. 
Like in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, where he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus called by the will of God. And that was who he is. See, Paul's past helped shape him into the man that God wanted to use. But this was not who he was. In Romans 6, 6 and 7, we see... That we know our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For some, this means that you are no longer slaves to the mindset that there's something wrong with you. Or that when you look in the mirror, you don't like what you see. These are lies. These are not the truth. But the truth we see in verse 7, is that when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. We are set free. You know, I'm sure there were times when Satan tried to win over the mind of Paul. Tried to convince him that he was unworthy to serve Christ. Because of all that he had done in his past. That he really truly couldn't have been forgiven because what he did was just so wrong. Those are some of the same lies that often Satan whispers into our minds as well. Like us, Paul faced buying into lies, but through Christ, he was set free by truth. You know, we don't mean to pick up baggage, but we live in a broken world. And when things happen, when words are spoken or life happens, Satan looks for ways to take us out of the game by weighing us down with luggage, with baggage, through getting us to buy into lies. See, we're never really meant to hold on to baggage, but so often we pick it up and it's amazing how it stays with us. You're nine and you are so excited. You're so excited because you and your three buddies, you're building a raft. Not just any raft. This is a raft that you are going to use to float down a large brook that goes through your neighborhood. And you're so excited. This is like a boy's dream adventure. And you've been working on this for a long time. And you're so excited. And one day, Kevin, one of these guys, your, your buddies, comes over to your house. And you're like, hey, Kevin, what's up? Kevin's like, um, I got something to tell you. And you're like, sure, what's going on? I just want to let you know that Kevin says, I just want to let you know. You're not going to be able to ride on the raft with us. You're totally confused by this because you've been helping just like the other three guys. And you're so excited and you're so confused because the raft is made for four people. And you're so, yeah, you're just confused. And so you ask him why, but Kevin just beats around the bush. And so finally, you're, you're so frustrated and confused. You just say, Kevin, tell me why I can't ride on the raft. Kevin says, fine, it's because you're fat. And we don't think the raft's going to hold you. You know, whoever said sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you, that was a cruel lie. Because words hurt. And see, oftentimes the damage goes far beyond just those words. Because it can turn into the lies that we begin to believe, such as there's something wrong with me 
and we pick up a bag. Your best friend since kindergarten, he's the best, naturally. And uh, through thick and thin, you've always been there to keep get each other's back. And uh, he's been this one guy that you can rely on. You know, no secrets between you, just secrets confided in each other. I mean, Kevin, is, and this best friend, is the guy that you just, you can always rely on. And that is, till one day he comes to talk to you, say, hey, uh, your best friend says, hey, I just want to let you know that uh, Jenny doesn't want to be your Jenny anymore. And he goes on, this best friend of yours goes on to explain how they had just accidentally hit it off. Furious and confused because your best friend just stole your girlfriend. You decide that day that you really truly can't trust anyone. And you pick up a bag. The big game is over. And you drop the ball, literally. And, it, you know, it was just an accident. You know, it just, it just slipped. And you felt terrible. But it wouldn't have been half bad until he came over. What in the world happened out there, he scolds. I don't know. It just, it just slipped. I couldn't stop it. Was all that time that we spent together working on this, was all that just a big waste of time, he yells? I'm sorry, Dad. It was an accident, you say on the verge of tears. Your dad comes back and he says, well, I just want you to know that it was your fault that your team didn't make the playoffs. Because you couldn't stop a silly ball from getting into the goal. Real goalies would have been able to stop that. As your dad walks away, you realize that you're never going to measure up. And you pick up a bag. Now, things are, you know, you're getting heavier. Your arms are getting full. And you decide, you know what? I want to unload some of this. And so, the victim of that just happens to be Your little sister. Your little sister, one day, she comes running into your room, all excited, wanting to talk with her big brother and wanting to share with him what's going on in in her fun, pink little world. But immediately you snap back and be like, you know what? I have a big, important paper that I'm working on, and I don't have time to talk with you right now. I don't have time for you. When in reality, you were just on Facebook checking out what your friends were doing. I mean, you should like the fact that your sister wants to spend time with you, but there's something about it that irks you. I mean, you just don't want any of your family members to get too close. Obviously, hurt and shaken by your response to her kindness, your sister leaves the room, but as she gets in the doorway, she turns and says, you know, you don't have to take it out on me that dad left us. And your heart sinks because you know that she's, a, she's right. And, and so you try to apologize, but she doesn't want your apology. And, you, and you're like, am I just a monster too? And so what was your attempt to unload baggage just as causes you 
pick up another one. Then there's that one. That's the one you don't like to talk about. It's your uh, secret sin. You know, it's that, um, it's that thing that no one knows about except uh, you and God and your computer. And so, you know, you got this. And you're like, I can, I can do this. I can do this. I can, I can manage this. I can, I can still serve God. Um, I can still be the, the husband, the wife that my spouse needs. I can still be the parent that my kids need. I, I, I can still be that son or that daughter that my parents want. I can still do this. And yet, you're barely holding on. Feeling weighed down. You remember in the Gospels, you heard somewhere sometime that Jesus said that I am... I'm here to give you life and life to the full. But you're not feeling it at all. You're feeling weighed down. You know, I don't know if you out there, I don't, I don't know if you resonate with any of these made-up stories I just, I just told you, or, or, uh, or maybe yours is a little different. But when you have baggage, you want nothing more to experience a closeness with a Savior that you love. You so want to be able to enjoy your relationships instead of them being affected by guilt. You so want to be able to love yourself, but every time you look in the mirror, you don't like what you see. And it doesn't matter if you're 13 or 43. And no matter how hard you try, you just can't seem to let go. So you know the truth, but the problem is you also, you might know the truth, but you believe the lies in your life. And you haven't been able to move on. But the beautiful thing that Jesus also says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And just let go, you can do it. No, that's not what he says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Many times, we're just like the man with the demon-possessed son who comes to Jesus and says, I believe, help me with my unbelief. And maybe today, maybe this morning, Jesus is, is not wanting you to get it all together. To fix the mess that you have in your hands. But instead, to turn to him. To truly drop the lies. To believe the truth. And through his strength to simply let go. You know, I think this morning... There are probably many people on all sides of the spectrum of this. There are those of you in this room, by the grace of God, have never allowed lies to become baggage in your life. And I just praise the Lord for that. And then I think there are those of you in this room who, like me, have experienced the the sweet freedom 
of being able to drop your baggage and be set free. But I think there are those in this room who feel weighed down because you've been holding on to stuff, whether it's been for a little while or a very long time. And this is not anything that God ever wanted for you. He never wanted you to carry this baggage. And maybe this morning, you need to let go. See, you, you have heard the truth. You know the truth. You know that you're forgiven, but you've had a hard time letting go on your own. But maybe this morning, you need to bring it to Jesus and give it to him. You know, I think after the service here, there's going to be people up front who would love to pray with you about this. Would love to help you unload the baggage. But I know sometimes part of it's guilt, and, and the guilt is actually because you've taken something from someone. You've taken something from them, like, like their trust or their innocence, or whatever it might be. And you've tried to confess it, and you felt better for a time, but it just rears its ugly head again. And maybe because the problem is, like we're, like we're told to in James, the book of James, we need to confess it to each other. We need to confess it to that person. We admit that we've wronged them, we've taken from them. So we experience true freedom. And finally, I know that there are people in this room who are carrying baggage, and that baggage is their own sin. Maybe this morning you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus to save you. You're trying to earn it. You're doing what you think you should, but let me tell you that the Bible makes it very clear that you will fail. Because all have sinned and all fall short of God's perfect standard. And that's exactly why we need a Savior to pay the penalty for those sins, for our mess-ups, for our baggage. And that's exactly who Jesus is. That's exactly what Jesus did. And that's exactly what Jesus wants you to trust in today. If you're carrying the weight of your own sin, don't, don't leave here this morning without giving it to Jesus without putting your trust in Him and accepting that free gift of salvation through Christ. He wants nothing more than to save us from the hell that we're going to and the hell that we're going through. Give it to Him. It's time to let go. Let me close this in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a God of sweet freedom. Lord, you are a God who does not wish for us to be weighed down, but to be, Lord, to set free, to live life to the full. And Lord, I pray that that would be characteristic of this body in this church. Father, that we would not operate weighed down, but Lord, we would experience Amazing fruit and freedom that comes from just letting go of the lies 
and giving them all to you. Lord, thank you for this time. And Lord, I pray that if there are those here this morning who are battling with this, that Lord, you would give them the will and the desire and through the power of your Holy Spirit, the strength to let go. Lord, as they go out from this place, may you bless them and all of us immensely. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your love. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.